1: Today on the podcast, we have our good friend, Steph Crowder from Courage and Clarity Podcast and Fizzle. So if you guys have seen Fizzle and its amazing membership platform full of amazing courses for small business owners, you guys should definitely check it out. We have a little bit of blurb of where you can go get Fizzle for free inside of this episode. Steph is one of our podcasting buddy friends. We are actually in a mastermind with her where we meet with Steph and a couple of other ladies twice a month and chat all things podcasting and growth tactics and marketing and guest ideas and all that good stuff. She is an incredible, incredible human being. We love her to pieces. She is super knowledgeable, super kind, and I can't wait for you to learn from Steph today.
0: Yeah, inside this episode, she is giving you step-by-step all the things you need to do to interview potential customers to validate your kick-ass business idea. We're also getting a behind-the-scenes look of a thriving membership site, i.e. Bizzle, and she's talking all about creating amazing customer service in your business and the step-by-step creation process of creating courses inside Fizzle. It's a great episode. We get really in depth especially on that membership piece and the business idea piece. So I'm really excited for you to dive in and take away some awesome knowledge bombs from Steph. Welcome
2: to the show, Steph. How are you doing this afternoon? Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so so excited to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know Steph or don't know our relationship with Steph. It's going to be pretty chill. She brought a beer to the conversation. I did.
2: I uh, just brought
0: a Sprite. So
1: well, I have watered down coffee. So. I
2: will tell people it, at the time of this recording, it's Friday, just for a little context. So Yes. You it's know.
1: not like 7 a.m. No. on a Tuesday.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly.
0: It's a Friday afternoon. Uh-huh. It, it's five o'clock, so.
2: Also, we do what we want. So, yeah, this is the last, I don't care. last thing I'm doing here on this Friday. And, mm-hmm. and I'm here's I'm and I'm bringing in the weekend. Awesome.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I know they don't know this, but I know this. You've, you know a thing or two about business by this point, And I hear you have some kick ass ideas for how you can. Interview customers to make sure your business idea is going to work. So, tell us a little bit about how that works.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. And uh, there's a few reasons for that. First of all, I teach a whole course on this in Fizzle, which is really helpful, I think. In, you know, the reason I, I like talking about this so much is because. For people out there who are like, oh God, I know what you're thinking right now because everybody has this reaction or most of us have this reaction to this idea of talking to customers about our business ideas and validating our ideas. Because it's just like, you're just like, do I have to do this? Like, can't I just, I'm so excited about my idea. Can't I just jump in and like start making it and start making money and like be successful? And this involves actually talking to people, which sometimes is really intimidating, especially when it's strangers. Like most of us aren't naturally inclined to just pick up the phone and start asking strangers questions. So there's definitely a natural aversion to doing this whole thing, which I just want to acknowledge up front. Because if you're listening to this, you're like, oh man, I'm just really not interested in like having a random conversation with somebody I've never met. I totally get that. But one of the big, big, big things I hear back from people who actually put this into place is they're like, why did I not do this sooner? It was so much easier than I thought. And it was the number one thing I could have ever done to make mm-hmm. sure that the assumptions that I have about my business are actually correct. And that's the big thing I want to start with about Having customer conversations and interviewing customers is, you know, the crazy thing is, everything in our business, every single thing, is really just a hypothesis, right? Like we can't know for sure until we actually put something in the world and see how it does. So even if you think you have the best idea and you're so sure that nobody's done it before and you're like so confident, it, at the end of the day, is really an assumption. It's really an assumption about what people are interested in. The fact that whether or not people pay money for the solution is definitely an assumption. So what we're doing here is we're testing the hypothesis. I like to kind of imagine in our businesses, we're all wearing like our white lab coat. We've got our clipboard and we're here to like test this stuff before we like spend months and months putting something together and then launching it just to hear crickets. Like that's obviously Mm -hmm. the worst possible thing that can happen. So this whole process is about how to avoid that.
1: Well, and I think part of it too is making sure that not only do you have a kick-ass idea, but are you Showing it in front of the right people. Yes. Because, I mean, let's be real, like, there's no original idea hardly anymore. Like, there just isn't. And so, what you're creating, it's probably not the first time it's ever been created. It is not the first of its kind to be for sale right now online or available to people. Mm -hmm. And it may not be even the the only thing that's available to the people you want to talk to. But when you start getting in front of your people and like picking up the phone, having a Skype date with them, taking them to coffee, asking them questions. You're starting to literally hear what are they saying about what they want from you and then create the thing geared and speaking to that and to those pain points and those topics. And so I think like people are like, I'm going to go interview these people and they're going to help me create this idea. I don't think that that's not what we're talking about today. You're just like, Really validating if the people who you're wanting to get in front of are your people.
2: Exactly. And the other th- cool thing is like maybe there's an idea out there that's even better than what you think right now. Like maybe there's a need that these people are even more motivated to buy, which is super exciting because, it, it, and some, one of the big, I would say, resistances that people have towards doing this is, and this is totally natural, but there's a, a fear of, you know, having to start from scratch. Like you have this idea you're excited about it. Getting negative feedback, that's a scary thing. Like a lot of us would probably rather bury our head in the sand and say, I don't want to hear that. Whereas I'm not talking about like you're going to hear totally different feedback from your audience and then have to scrap your idea and start all over. Oftentimes it's just a little tweak to your idea that can mm-hmm. be the difference literally between great success when you launch and just it not quite resonating. So oftentimes the feedback you get is not going to change your whole idea completely, but it is going to help you make those. Critical tweaks that will be the difference between success and not so much.
0: Yeah. So if someone's (sighs) nervous or antsy, Mm -hmm. or they're just like not a people person, or they hate people like Emily, (laughs) how how (laughs) do you suggest even starting this conversation? Because I feel like sometimes you like walk into a room and you're like, oh, this would be the perfect time to like ask some questions. Yes. But then you just, you become a statue and you're like, where's the coffee or the Mm -hmm. cheese or the sweets or the whatever? And you come up with every excuse in the world to not talk to these people.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad you asked that. And it's really funny that you say it the way that you just did, because it reminds me, I just was doing a coaching session over at Fizzle. We have weekly free coaching. And I was coaching someone who said to me, she was like, Steph, you're not going to believe this. Like, I She's a mom of a small baby and she was getting coffee. And one of her friends in town had a baby too and they were friends and they were like very casual and she realized as she's talking to this person that this is like the perfect person that she could <sighs> ask questions about and they're like in a friendly relationship and she she's like Steph I ch- I chickened out like I should have been able to ask and it's like it's so real and it's so it, it, it feels so awkward and this the I'm here to say it doesn't have to be this big production. You don't need to bring like a spreadsheet of questions. It can be really (laughs) casual. And I'm glad, Abby, that you asked about how to start this conversation because I didn't know you would ask that. Although that is what I brought to our conversation today. That's what I thought maybe would be the most impactful thing that I could bring to people listening is how to start that conversation. And the methodology that I teach on this, I have a name for it. I call it the anchor question. And the reason I call it that is because it's quite literally what it sounds like. It's an anchor. It anchors the whole conversation and it blows the conversation wide open. It gets people talking and everything is so much easier once you craft this question and ask it. Okay. So I'll tell you how to create it. It's super simple. And the key is, the big, big key is coming up with a question that is not so broad that it's going to lead to a bunch of random answers, nothing to do with your idea, right? For the love of God, stop asking, what's your biggest struggle with marketing? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm going to give it, I have, I brought an example for us to talk through that's very similar to that. Good. The other side of the pendulum though is, and, and it's every bit as dangerous, is too specific. This is mm-hmm. one I see all the time. Asking leading questions as tempting as it is, because you're like, Hey, wouldn't it be great if I could do X, Y, Z for you and your business? <laughs> the trouble with that is, first of all, people are nice. Okay. For the most part. And you're then, like, yeah. And they're going to say, sure, that that sounds great. Well, when it comes to hand over their money, maybe, maybe not, right? So we don't want to... We don't want to be like so vague that we don't get good information back, but we don't want to be so specific and so leading that we're not actually getting an honest reaction from the customer. We really want them to be genuine in their response. And we're going to, again, we are the scientists wearing the lab coat with the clipboard. We're going to see if our hypothesis is correct or if we're off a little bit, right? Because we Mm want to see when we ask the question, is the response what we thought it was going to be? Or is there a need that's like even more pressing for these people that maybe I could just do that course cor- correction that I that I mentioned before? So the key here, like I said, is going to be that sweet spot of not too broad, not too specific as far as asking this question. Okay? So... You guys ready for me to bring the example that I yes. that I want to talk about yes. okay, this will be especially relevant for you, Emily because this is about new moms okay and i'm an I'm a rather new mom myself my daughter's about to be one, so I was thinking about a, a cool example we could talk about so let's just say that you are you have this idea okay, and you want to teach new moms how to prepare fast, easy, healthy meals at home, your hypothesis is that new moms, for new moms, it's really challenging to find the time, energy, and inspiration to cook. And you have this hypothesis that new moms wanna be healthy, but they're just like really struggling to get good stuff on the table, okay? That's your hypothesis. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about what would be too broad. So to Emily's point just now of like, what's your biggest struggle with marketing? The example in this case would be, what's the hardest thing about being a new mom? Okay. Yeah, everything. Yeah, like seriously. I mean, uh, uh how much time do you have, right? Yeah. We can get into so many things and you're probably not going to hear necessarily about health and and like fitness and and being in good shape and all that good stuff. You're probably going to hear, "Oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing." I mean, there's just so many things you could hear. So that is too broad, okay? We're not going to get the information that we need from that question. On the flip side though, this question that is too specific would be, "What's the hardest thing about providing healthy dinners to your family as a new mom?"
1: I don't have time. Yeah. There's like all the things that's already part of your hypothesis are what I'm going to say.
2: Exactly. So you could definitely ask the two specific question and you're going to feel really good about yourself. (laughs) People are going to give you exactly what you want to hear. But what you missed out on is, is there something even more pressing? Is there something that these new moms are clamoring for? And they would be like, give, like, give me, like, let me give you my money. Take my money. That's what we're looking for. So the question right in the middle and of course there's like a, a you know this is just one example but this is what i came up with would be what's the hardest thing about staying healthy as a new mom like what's hard about about being healthy as a new mom now mm-hmm. the reason that this is right in the middle is because you could hear a bunch of answers right you could hear i don't have time like we our hypothesis i don't have time to cook i know i should cook but i'm i'm just reaching for convenience foods that would verify our hypothesis. Mm -hmm. But you could also hear like, I have no time to exercise. I can't Mm -hmm. motivate myself to do any exercise. I can't get to the gym. I hate at-home workouts. That wouldn't really verify our our hypothesis. If I was hearing that 10 times, I might be like, well, maybe this is more pressing than the food thing. Another Mm -hmm. one would be like, it'd be awesome if I could get more sleep. Like, you know, I'd feel healthier if I could sleep more. I would love a solution to getting just a little bit more sleep. So this like, you know, this methodology, it cracks the door enough to See what uh, what else you like. You're in the way I think of it is you're in the ballpark, okay? Like you're asking a question that puts the person in the ballpark, but you're not like giving them a softball necessarily. You're kind of seeing whether or not they're going to go where you think they are, and if it's slightly different, that's cool. We're going to ask more questions and kind of course correct from there. So that is the, like the number one. The cool thing about this question is once you ask that, and once you make sure that it's not too broad, not too specific, you guys can imagine how many questions come from this. And mm-hmm. it's super easy because they literally just start talking and then you're like, okay, and tell me more. And what about that? What's hard about that? And you just can keep saying... Like, tell me more, say more about that. You don't even have to come up with advanced, super crazy questions. You can literally just say, why? Why is that important to you? You Well,
1: and that's the happy place to be in because when you ask the question of like, what's your biggest struggle as a new mom? It comes across as, oh, you're trying to figure out something to sell me. Yeah, like You want me to say something that you're going to turn around and offer a quick solution for. Yes. But when you literally just pose it in that happy place area and just say, cool, tell me more. Okay, what else? Yep. You are letting them sit on the couch and tell you their problems. Yep.
2: Yeah, exactly. And back to my example of the client I had that was telling me that she was with her friend and literally couldn't bring herself to ask the question, think about how casual you could be. You could say, hey, Emily, like, by the way, while I have you, I kind of have this new business idea I'm kicking around. I'm just wondering for you, like, what's been the hardest thing about staying healthy as a new mom? And and it just becomes a conversation between friends. And of course, if you're like, well, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, they know I'm using the information, you can totally, like I said, disclaimer up front, hey, I'm thinking about this new business idea. You kind of feel like maybe you'd be the right client for me, potentially. So so I'd love to ask mm-hmm. a few questions just just because I want to make the right thing for people. And the cool thing is, like most people want to be helpful and to yeah. know that they're like giving you information that's going to help you out. Lots of people really enjoy being in that role. I think I like, like it.
0: Well, so what happens if you get your hypothesis and you find out that in fact it is not accurate, yeah. and you need to change? Routes And change your hypothesis and work on perhaps a new product offering that fits that a little bit better. So maybe we were talking about the healthy meals, maybe the exercise or the sleep or something Mm -hmm. is more of the common answer. How do you like, if that's not necessarily a current part of your business? Mm-hmm. How do you kind of fit it in and navigate those waters?
2: Well, it's a really great question. And one thing I like to tell people is, first of all, congratulations. That means you're doing it right. Like, mm-hmm. you should, this is a very likely outcome. And I don't want that to be discouraging to people because they're like, but I want to do the food thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you, don't, you shouldn't do it. But what it should tell you, again, this is just information. Like, we can choose to do with it what we will. What I would typically suggest to someone, though, is I would look at this as a really positive thing and say, listen, you just yourself like, Oh my gosh, months and months of creating some like crazy cookbook and course that you were gonna sell about cooking when that wasn't going to be the thing that was going to really make people super stoked, right? So I really try to see it as a positive thing. And it doesn't mean you have to go, you know, re, just reinventing the wheel. It's, it's a slight shift. So if they're saying something like, yeah, I just really want more time to exercise, I, I you know, movement is a challenge for me, etc. Then you kind of have a decision to make as a, as a business owner. So there's a couple of different things. You can ask yourself, you know, is this in my wheelhouse? Like, do I consider myself the person who would be able to help? Like, am i interested in providing a solution to people who to new moms who want more activity for a lot of people they're probably in this health and fitness space maybe that's a really interesting idea and they want to go ahead and pivot and take take that idea that's one option but as emily said before there is also a chance that maybe this isn't quite maybe you don't have the ideal customer quite right you know mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not new moms out there who don't have this You don't have this desire. It might just be that you haven't talked to the right people. So, for example, there are some moms out there who don't have any desire to cook. Like maybe they've never, ever, ever cooked before. Maybe you need to tweak who you're asking a little bit. Maybe it's people who used to be quite into cooking before they had Mm -hmm. kids and now have the baby thing. Like at least for me, I don't know about you, Emily. For me, I I used to love to cook, and for the first like six months, forget it. You know,
1: maybe that cooked my first meal this week (laughs) since she was born. So yes,
2: (laughs) exactly. So maybe so I would take a hard look at the customer that I'm talking to and make sure that there's maybe I could would talk to somebody a little bit different. Again, though, if I went back to the drawing board and asked a slightly different customer and I still wasn't getting the hypothesis at a certain point, you do have to challenge whether or not you've got a great idea or if there's mm-hmm. something more pressing. I, like I it. think
0: sometimes it's a hard pill, pill to swallow, but totally. it's worth knowing the answer to. I mean, yep. I'd rather you find out up front. It's It's sort of like Finding out—it's like pitching your idea. It's almost like doing the pre-sale without the selling. Like you're yes. not—you're not creating the product. You're not even creating a sales page for the product. Yeah. You are literally just asking if someone would buy it without pitching and at all. Like mm-hmm. yeah, you're just finding out if they would be a good fit. And if there is an audience that'd be willing to
2: purchase. Exactly. What I tell people is look, that reality exists whether you want to acknowledge it or not. You know, yeah. that's, like the, that's the hard thing is like the truth is out there. And whether or not you want to like tune into it early, like you just said, Abby, that's really what we're talking about. The other thing too is like, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Field of Dreams, but you've probably heard the quote, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not necessarily the case in business, right? Uh-uh. Like sometimes it's, you know, just because you build it doesn't mean people are going to buy. So that's kind of what we're fighting against is really having that educated hypothesis versus kind of just being stuck in our own head. Because all of us think our ideas are good. You got to get out of the building. That's like one of the phrases that, that has kind of come out of this whole thing in my, in my research oh my about this. And I've done a lot of research about customer conversations. Getting out of the building, getting out of your own head is really kind of the key to this whole thing.
1: Well, and it's we surround ourselves with people that have similar problems that we do, and so we could be reiterated every single day by our best friend or yep. by people we work with or by whatever that this thing is great, but they may not be ready to buy, and they yes. may not be the people who you even want to be selling to. So don't convince yourself just because it's your strong need or the people in your circle strong need, go outside of that because you're going to need even if it is the best idea, you're going to need more than yourself and your best friend to buy your. Th- thing. So you might as well get other people on board.
2: Yeah. And the cool thing too, is like one thing we haven't even touched on is you might get ideas about your idea that you don't even have yet. Right. So if your idea, for example, is, You know, the healthy cooking for new moms. And maybe people, maybe you get this idea that like you could have, maybe you are going to become the creator of some new subscription box for new moms because of what people are telling you. And you hadn't thought about that before. So you're not only confirming your hypothesis, you're going deeper. And you're, I mean, there's just so many amazing benefits of this. The words that you get back, the terms that people use, this can all become part of your copy. Like you can really learn how to speak people's language because these are, like you just said, Emily, these are going to be your people and to really understand how they tick. There's just so many different reasons to plug into them in this way.
1: Yeah. So say we ran with this idea. We got some great feedback. We've got some people who are in front of us who are like, heck yes, saying the right things, giving us some copy for our sales page and all of this stuff. And we decide we're going to create some sort of membership program for healthy meals, for healthy eating, for new moms. I know you have a lot of experience working with membership sites. Mm -hmm. So tell us what we need to know, the mistakes we can avoid and how we can make spoiler alert, we've tried membership sites before, and mm-hmm. it didn't work. It wasn't, it's not that it didn't work. Uh, it was a lot more work than we thought it would be. And yeah. so we like reworked what
0: we, we had just weren't ready for it. I think we we're not ready.
2: ready. We might go back to it at some point. But. Yeah. But listen, so, guys, like that is the answer right there that like I couldn't have said, said it better myself. So that has been that's probably like the resounding advice that I that I give people. So over at Fizzle, you know, first of all, there's three of us who work on Fizzle full time. And uh-huh. all of us are busy, busy, busy. We could easily have double us and still have plenty to do. So that is one of the first things that people... I think, overlook with membership sites is that it is much harder than it looks. There's more work. It is a lot to manage. And a lot of times people, this is one of the biggest questions we get, how I'd love to create the fizzle of... Healthy eating. I yeah. love to create the puzzle yeah. of music, and we're like, okay, listen. This is four <laughs> years of like extensive, extensive work. Like it's been around that long. And so, what you're seeing, what I love to tell people is what you're seeing today is like by no means the first iteration. It takes quite a bit of time. So, I think if your membership site is your is your end game, be prepared that you're probably go. It, it's probably going to take some time to kind of build to that point, unless you have like lots of money to play with. Because the next point is from a technical standpoint, you guys. May have run into this too. It's actually quite difficult to set up. There's not an easy solution, there's not an out of the box membership. Uh, product that at least that we're aware of that is any good. So for <laughs> us, we're really lucky in that Corbett Barr, our CEO is a developer by trade. His background is technical, and he has coded this thing from the ground up. Chase Reeves, our creative director, is a designer. So we are totally custom in house, and that's really rare. That's really hard to find. Uh, most people who are, want to create a membership site don't have the level of technical stuff that's needed uh-huh. to make that happen. So I really like to be upfront with people about that. Now I don't want to dash everybody's dreams. It's not like you have to have that in order to have a membership site. But I think you guys are a really great example. What you just shared was like perfect. Sometimes I love telling people to start with one awesome course, like start with a flagship course and work your way up to that, right? Like like really nail that first course, start to build a library of courses, and then you can start to think about how that would fit into a membership site. Now, I know sometimes people go from nothing to membership site. That's totally possible. But I, I really am a big fan of working up to it, like kind of learning as you go, building that audience so that when you do have, this is a big deal, when you do have a membership capability or a membership offering, you actually have people who want to be a member because mm-hmm. it's a little challenging Just if you're starting from ground zero and you're like, I want my first ever product to be a membership site. Well, where are your members going to come from? And that's a big deal too is you want to make sure and you guys know this, you have a um, community on Facebook in your Facebook group. You like, what if there were two people in there? That wouldn't really be a very valuable group. The, the part of the game of this is having enough people in there to offer insights, to lift each other up. So I think it's important to launch a membership site with some kind of rather substantial audience so that you do have enough people take you up on it that Mm -hmm. it becomes a community. Because that's sort of a segue, I think a good segue into the next bit of this, which is that uh, in our experience, and that's what I do over at Fizzle. I'm the head of all the customer stuff like anything people is basically my job. Mm-hmm. Community is a really heavy part of a membership site typically it doesn't have to be you can certainly offer like a base level price for like lifetime access to courses and that's great but more often than not having a, some kind of community element I think is really important so again, I think like like you guys have kind of gone through yourselves having building up that repertoire of courses mm-hmm. uh, and building up that audience to the point where people are almost like clamoring. Like they, there's so, I'm sure there are so many people who would love to be members if you guys had a membership site at this point, but you didn't start out that way. So that's, that's kind of what I like to tell people when they're in the beginning innings of business building.
0: Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business?
1: When so, we had created a course already and had sold it and relaunched it multiple times, and then wanted to create a membership site in the sense where we were adding fresh content all the time. One of our struggles was we give away the kitchen sink all at all times, yeah. And so, it was really hard for us to stop creating content for that month. And it was so much work every single month of creating a a course within a course and an ebook and a download and this webinar and this masterclass and, and then asking ourselves like, what was the value and what was too much and, and what was enough? And then once people started coming in, and then with the membership site, you're going to get people who fall off and people who yep. stop paying and people who come back. I think that that hit us a lot harder than we expected, because it is so normal. And it's, it's so fine. It's so okay. And I know that now. But when you're, when we were new in business and new at course selling specifically to see even one person ask for a refund or cancel, yeah, like it yeah, really hurts. Like yeah. it hurts a lot. And so if you're like a sensitive boss, like we are, then, it uh, maybe hold off on membership for that reason alone.
2: Yeah. And I understand too, like the appeal of membership, right? You're like, yeah. um, you're telling me that I'm just gonna have money rolling in every month. Like sign yeah. me up. Like I totally get the appeal of that. And, and it is nice. I'll be honest, but you do, have to get like, there's quite a bit that goes with it. Churn is what you're talking about. You have to look at customer churn. You have to understand your customer LTV, which is lifetime value. So again, I don't want to scare people away from the, from the idea of it, but I think that what you guys have done is a fantastic, you guys are great role models in this, in that I think it's important to really know what you're getting yourselves into build, 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 build build, so that membership site is almost like the natural progression versus starting, versus starting from nothing.
1: Also, think of payment plans as a membership site. Like they're basically the same thing. If you have a big thing, just break that baby down into payment plans. And now you've got reoccurring revenue, but you don't have to keep creating new content. Exactly. Boom. It's a lot easier to convince
0: someone to pay for six months than to pay ongoing until they cancel. In And yeah. experience.
2: Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. I'm,
0: although I will say fizzles. What is it? How many weeks free do you get if
2: you sign up? yeah, so I was well I was gonna mention I, I was gonna mention this at the end, but I'll just tell people now since we're on the topic so you can get five free weeks if you're interested in the so we have at fizzle we have hundreds of courses we've got a membership community of about two thousand people you can get five free weeks you can take the entire customer conversations course that we talked about if you want to take for listen guys take it for free and then cancel and everything- <laughs> Do it! I dare you because I—I I I re- dare you. I really am that confident that you'll really like what we do over at Fizzle. But you can go to Fizzle.co/slash/courage since I'm the host of the Courage and Clarity podcast. That's kind of my special deal for people who come into contact with me and get five free weeks. So yeah, we do offer five free weeks to our podcast listeners. So you can get a free week, uh, f- a free five week trial.
0: Do you think the? I was what I was where I was going with that was. Do you think the free trial has really boosted your? keeping the lifetime value up and like getting more people to initially sign up and that sort of thing.
2: It's such a good question. Yes. I I absolutely like that would be a resounding yes. And that we've done a lot of experimenting with paid trial like a $1 back in the day we did a $1 $1 trial we've done 2 weeks free 5 weeks free no trial we've tried it all not at all but those are the things we've tried that that's literally what we tried that i can remember at least and we have landed pretty confidently on the free trial it does a lot of things it's really for us it's in line with our brand we kind of really to be frank we're just honest people call us honest business builders like we have an honest business talk show called the fizzle show and we just really try to be upfront i literally mean it when I say like take our free trial and cancel if you don't if you want to and take my course. I don't care. Because we really want to put that put forth that sort of reputation of we really do believe that what we put forth is is that great that you can try it for free and then you'll want to stick around. Now what I like about that free trial is it really does it, there's a lot of credibility there, I think. You know, if if a Business owner is willing to give it away for free, at least for a time. That I mean, the thing is, people want to kick the tires. That's what we have found. People Mm want to come in, they want to see what it's all about. And our preference is that if people come in for two weeks or five weeks, depending on how they found us, and if they're not feeling it, like that's totally cool. You know, not Mm -hmm. everybody's going to be a fit. And I would. I feel much better knowing that the people who are paying their monthly fee are like so excited. They're like, take my money. This is my home. We Mm -hmm. want people to feel that way versus like, you know what? I spent this money this month on this membership site and like, I kind of hate it. I can't wait to be able to cancel. Like, I don't want people to have that experience. (laughs) Get that bad juju out of here. Yeah. And a lot of companies, unfortunately, are kind of built on that. They're built on, like, they build that in. That is a thing that a lot of these recurring revenue models, they really rely on people who don't... I mean, look at gyms, for example, gym memberships. they are counting on you not showing up. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and they want to take your money. We're really the opposite of that. I think the best membership sites out there are that way. It just builds such good relationships with your customers and they know that you're really, you're really trying to create that off and I know you guys are so all about this, creating that authentic community of people who are like super excited to be part of your family is Mm -hmm. really, I think having some kind of trial lends itself really well to that.
0: What other aspects of like amazing, Customer service. Do you think helps build a great business? Whether you're like trying to do a membership site or just have a thriving business in general, because I know you do a lot of customer service over at Fizzle.
2: Yes, I do. I do, and uh, I'm I'm just like kind of. You guys can see me on camera. I'm kind of smiling just because my philosophy on customer service. It's interesting. Like I have. It's pretty simple. I just want people to. I have. I don't know about you guys. I have had so many horrible, horrible customer service experiences, whether it's like, I think of Comcast, you know, and it's like just it's just awful and it's like pulling teeth i really try and hopefully maybe this will sound cheesy but anybody who knows me knows that i'm actually being 100% genuine mm-hmm. i really hope that the the interaction i have with our customers is like the most ple- one of the most pleasant interactions i'll have that day and mm-hmm. they're trying to cancel their account like i really want that to be a not only a painless experience but a pleasurable experience like a nice experience and i get that back a lot from people they're like you are so like this has been like, such a nice experience like thank you and so i my philosophy in customer service as the head of our customer service at fizzle Is generosity. I if you looked at like my refund, like how much revenue we lose to refunds and things like that. I'm not saying go give away the farm, absolutely not. But when like when it's on the line and it could go either way, I always give it, and Mm -hmm. that probably makes some small business owners pretty nervous because all those pennies really do count. But we're we're playing the long game is kind of how I look at it, and I cannot tell you, especially with membership. Now I think you have to look at your business model, but for us in membership. I can't tell you how many people have left and come back. You know, you don't know what their life circumstances are. And this is true for courses. If you're offering more than one or any kind of like coaching services, you know, if you leave people with like a delighted experience, the chances of them coming back are much better. And probably even more important than that is what they're going to say about you. You know, I, it's my dream that people would tell their friends how amazing it was to cancel fizzle. Like, you know, like, cause that's not really the typical experience. It's usually so painful. So I think that like really giving that experience of like, how can I make this easier for you? How can we do this painlessly? I, that being said, like we do certainly, you know, it's not like if you use fizzle for a year and I can see that you've been using it regularly and you're like, mm, I'd like a refund. Okay. Of course we're going to have a conversation about that. Um, <laughs> So I'm not saying to, you know, get taken advantage of. Absolutely not. But if you're kind of questioning it and you're sort of like, do I give the refund? Mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent. Of give the refund and just kind of create that goodwill more often. And I've been doing this for Fizzle for two years. I have found that more often than not, it actually pays us back more yeah. than what we lost.
1: We, it's kind of our same mentality, and it's it's hard for us because still to this day we're the ones approving refunds or and, and stuff like that. So you know we're we're the creators and the refunders at the same time, and it's super hard to play that role. Same here, but. You know, we we can see now on Teachable if they're going through the program and if they've clicked on this stuff. So in those circumstances, yes, we'll have a conversation about do you are you really just trying to like get a refund even though you've taken all of this content? And it's one of those hard places because it's digital content, you've consumed it, you can't return a burger once you eat it. Like let's, you know, let's let's change that kind of mentality that's going on right now. But there have been plenty of emails that we've read where they've like given their life situation or their circumstance or why they're asking. And both Abby and I are like, Oh, don't want that bad juju, like refund it. Like there's some shit going on there and I don't want to be the person that's like that negative cloud. So like, we're just done.
2: Yep, exactly. And I mean, so you, I know you guys have this experience too since you're in there dealing with support the way that I am it's like the the situations people find themselves in and when they share that and they're like you know I just lost my job or yeah. you know I'm not going to be the person and in fact like sometimes when people come to me with that experience I'll be like listen have a free month on us like you have, right. you've, had a, you've had a tough break like we don't want to lose you stick around and part of it too I have learned oh my gosh I'm sure you guys probably agree with this I have learned so much about how to approach like being on the other end the situation yes because i'm like this is a real human being and now i know the exact balance i and-
1: am so friendly now <laughs> like i'm just like i'm gonna chill our couch for instance i bought our couch in freaking november and did not get it until like february wow. after they said we would get it within like 30 days but like anytime we commented i was like i you're having a fantastic day, like, literally, no worries. I'm just wondering, like, what's going on? Like, yep. just to commun- me, I would, like, send it, like, a little gif, and, like, it was.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that, you know, I definitely do give preference to people who are... Hey, here's the thing about, I think, creating a really great customer s- service experience and also looking out for your business at the same time. I do evaluate whether or not I feel like the person who I'm having the conversation with is an ideal customer or if there's someone who is really like a fizzler. We call our members fizzlers. <laughs> like a real like true fizzler, I want to make that experience as good as it can possibly be because I do want to see them back in the future. So I definitely think it's a case-by-case basis. But yes, when it comes to uh, creating, like if it's on the line and I have to go one way or the other, I'm always going in the direction of generosity. And in general, I really think that's paid off.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it for sure.
0: And I've been surprised how much People overshare their situation. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. When they genuinely need help or need a refund or need whatever, I'm like, you could have said five words and I would have taken Uh care of the
1: situation, but you sent me, like, a book. Yeah, we've learned about divorces before spouses have learned about divorces. We've learned about pregnancy loss. We've learned about disease. Like, it's just like all of these things that I'm like, I don't want to be, I don't care if it's a made up story or not. Like, whatever. Like, I don't feel like there's that many bad people in the world to make up shit stories like that for a refund, but I don't want any part of that bad juju. So.
2: And at the same time, I think it's really important to have You know, one thing I I want to make sure people aren't hearing from what I'm saying here is definitely have like a terms and service page. Definitely have a guidebook. We have that, and to be honest, it's much more regimented in our terms than what happens behind the scenes sometimes. Right, Right. case by case. But for us, like our terms page says, we will not give you a refund if you're 72 hours after you've been charged. Now that protects us because in some cases, if we can see that somebody's been using the crap out of Fizzle and they're Mm -hmm. just Trying to take a free ride, it's very helpful to be able to point back to that and say, "Hey, listen, like I can see that you've used it. Like here's our terms and service. Right. Uh, I'm, you know, sorry, but and and that works for a few reasons. Of course, it protects you, but it also, again, uh, under the heading of delighting the customer, I like to tell people, listen, our typical procedure on this is 72 hours, but you know, you've been such a wonderful part of our community, and we really value your business. Like I'm happy to give you a refund. Right. And people are delighted by that. Like who doesn't like to feel like they're getting free stuff, so definitely having that black and white in place that you can put people to and when yeah. you need to, and also use that as a way of saying to people, "Listen, like you've been so great, you've been so nice, I'd love to kind of go above and beyond for you, like really showing people that you know you have a standard way of doing business, but you're you're willing to kind of accommodate them based on uh, you know a- any number of things.
0: Well, I'm curious now. I know this is totally changing the subject, but I'm changing the subject. Mm-hmm.
2: Let's do it. It's happy hour.
0: It's happy hour. <laughs> it Fizzle, like obviously you guys have you create so much content. You I mean very similar to us, but and it's interesting because yeah. our content is mostly out in the open. Most people see it. But at Fizzle most of your content is Locked and loaded in your membership site. So, talk to us about how you're constantly creating and like what is the course creation process like for you? Do you feel like it's any different than the typical since it's part of a membership? Anything special you want to call out?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that I think you guys have uh, that we really share between Fizzle and, and Think Creative is this sort of Generosity with content, you know. I know sure. I, I have gotten to know you guys, and I'm happy we're friends. And I follow your stuff, and I love it. And I I apply it in my own branding and my own business so much. And uh, we really try to cultivate that same spirit at Fizzle. You know, we have a podcast that we publish every single week, and I cannot tell you probably the number one thing I hear when people cancel their membership is. I'm so sorry to cancel my membership, but I'll be listening to the podcast because it's so mm-hmm. amazing. And we literally have had conversations behind the scenes. Where we're like, God, like these people, are like our podcast is like, People should pay money for it, and I think this is the thing <laughs> about the Strategy Hour. Like, we really do have that. We really do try to give away. Like, okay. people ask us all the time in our membership, you know, how much do I give away versus like keep uh, secret for pay? And we're like, just all give, of it, all of it. it. Yeah, that's yeah. The ultimate way to build trust because people are like, they, there's no one they'd rather trust than people who are they know are such boss experts. So we really, yeah. we really have that same philosophy, 100. So we do do a lot of content where we're showing. Ourselves, you know, I have the Courage and Clarity podcast. We do the Fizzle show every single week. And we also try to do some videos here and there free, wet. We just did a free live training this past week, stuff like that, very similar to what you guys do. Now, when it comes to creating our courses, now those are on another level, I think, of professionalism as well as. Just like, just real high quality. Now, not to say that the other stuff isn't quality, but you guys know how you you know how it is. Like every week to uh-huh. week, you're creating this this podcast. You're kind of it, it's more casual, it's more conversational, which is sure. awesome. But when you come to the table of a course, that's where it's yeah. very you know, very structured. And for people like this is how I actually personally, individually, how I prefer to consume content is in a very structured way. I like a workbook to go with it. I really want to be able to revisit it and rewind and replay. That's really where our courses come into play. And the big thing that we do at Fizzle that I think is a little bit different is we offer what we call our small business roadmap. So we have nine stages of business building from very first like business inception all the way to scaling your business to a team and beyond. So our courses really fit into this roadmap. So for us in the course creation process, what works really well and what I love to tell people because it's been such a fun experience being part of this, not actually this shares an interesting border with our customer interviews, like conversation we just had is I love testing a course with your free content. So what I mean by that is maybe coming up with a pretty extensive blog post that deals with the the topic that you think you might want to do a course on or a podcast episode that dives into the aspects of your course. So for example, that business roadmap that I mentioned, when we created that, we actually recorded, I think it was like 6 different podcast episodes going over the different steps of the roadmap. Now, this was really our validation of our product. Like we had not created the roadmap yet. We just wanted to talk it out in real time on the microphone and flesh it out and 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 discover together and see how our audience responded. So for our course creation process, that is one of my favorite things we do is really flesh it out, like knock out the cobwebs and figure out what's great and what's like what you can ditch by putting it into your free content. So start there as a way of working up your course. So I did the same thing with this customer interviews topic we're talking about. I created a whole course in Fizzle about this around this time last year. And I wrote a whole blog post. We recorded a podcast episode before that course was ever made so that I could really flesh out like, what do, what do I really want to tell people about this? So by the time we went to record the course, it was so buttoned up. There was like not a moment of fluff. It's really, really fleshed out because we kind kind of went through the kind of like creaky stuff or the not so good stuff in our blog post and our podcast first. So I think using those mechanisms that you have available to you, those mediums that you're already doing, which is awesome, because then you all, we all need to come up with content for our blogs and podcasts. So it kind of serves a couple different cool purposes. But I love sort of validating that idea and fleshing it out using a blog or a podcast first. That's a big key part of our course creation process.
0: Yeah. So tell us... Uh, let's go into talk strategy to me now. And let's go back and go back to the beginning. And I really want to talk about the first three to five steps someone should take if they're wanting to validate their business idea. What should someone be working on to interview those customers like we originally talked about at the beginning of this
2: episode? Absolutely. So the first thing I would do is come up with what I like to call a problem hypothesis statement, okay? So that sounds like and this is kind of like a little Mad Lib. If you guys have ever done those little fun Mad Libs, this is this is the one I like to offer for this situation. It is I am building blank for blank. Because blank, okay, so in but if we go all the way back to our new mom's example, you know, I am building a guidebook for new moms who want to cook healthy food because as a new mom, it's almost impossible to put healthy food on the table. So the first step is coming up with that problem hypothesis statement. That's like the big big, big thing that you need because you need to understand what are you building? who is it for, and why the hell should they care about it, right? Because that is the state, the hypothesis that we are going to test. We talked a lot about testing. So you have to come up with your... All the way back to the scientific method when you were in third grade, having that hypothesis statement that you're going to test is a really big deal. So that's the first thing I would say is come up with your problem hypothesis statement that you would like to test. The second thing is, of course, understanding who the heck you want to ask these questions to. Who do you want to talk to? So this would be understanding, making sure you're talking to the right... People, which Emily brought up back in the beginning, I think is absolutely key. So, really spending some time asking yourself, who would be my ideal consumer of this product? You know, if I believe that new moms who, you know, want to put healthy food on the table, I would literally start to, and I wouldn't let this be too ephemeral, I wouldn't let it be too vague. I would literally start thinking of people in my life that I have met who I would consider ideal. Okay. So Emily, for example, here on this podcast, other friends of mine who've had babies in the past six months or so, I would consider like I would literally start to jot those people's names down. That would be the second step. It's coming up with actual people who I believe fit into this whole hypothesis. Then the third thing is go back to that anchor question. So coming up with you're not too broad, not too specific, what's the hardest thing about blank, but making sure that you're you know not on one side of the fence or the other in terms of specificity and being too broad. Asking that question and then allowing the conversation to flow from there. Those are my probably my three biggest tips for how to actually have these conversations. I'll add a fourth, I guess a fourth bonus tip would, would be talk to at least five people. I like 10, eight, eight to 10, I think is ideal. These don't have to be great big long conversations. They could be 10 minutes over coffee and then debriefing, looking at all the results together. It's really interesting. Once you've talked to 10 people, ask yourself, what's the number one thing that people said when I asked that first question? What came up? Looking at the commonalities is really where the battle is to be won. You don't want to ask one person and then be like, oh, God, my business is invalid. Like, no, you want to make sure you're talking to enough people that you can look at the you know data and say, okay, based on this, I think I should go in this direction. I feel confident that people need this. And you have just such a wealth of information that you can move forward making more educated decisions with your, with your next product.
0: Ah. Uh. Well, Steph, thank you so much. Those were awesome tips. And I think people are going to get so much value out of this episode. Where can people hang out
2: with you online? Yeah, well, I thank you guys so much for having me. It was so much fun. I host my own podcast. It's Courage and Clarity. You can find it in iTunes or at courageandclarity.com. I love Instagram. I'm at Steph Crowder with an underscore at the end. I would love to make some new friends. So thank you guys so much.